0: episode of Houston Exercise Science, a podcast where we talk about anything that has to do with fitness as long as it is scientifically backed. As promised, I did say I was going to put out an episode uh, once a week and try to stick to that schedule. So this is another week. So we're going to have another episode and we're going to move right along. Thank you guys for listening and, you know, uh, tuning in every time, getting more information like that. So Let's get right into the info. I always do that. Don't like to give you guys suspense. Today, we're going to be talking about injuries, because we're talking about exercising, how to exercise, what's going on in your body. But what happens if you get hurt during exercises? So this is where I'm going to cover. I'm going to actually cover a lot. I decided to give you guys more deep-dived information instead of surface-level information because um, I think it serves my listeners a a lot more to get tons of information, plus you guys can pause it and digest the information or take notes or whatever you want to do. So I figured let's just get detailed, get you guys lots of information, and that way, you know, you get the most out of this podcast. So we're going to be talking about stuff like strains, sprains, contusions, um, repetitive movements that will cause injuries as well Uh, so like tendonitis and things like that so we're going to be talking about things like that and um, you know go into what each one is definition wise what the symptoms general symptoms are for each one so that way if um, you're wondering what you did to yourself or you want to be more aware of what uh, what you're supposed to be looking for we're going to go through symptoms like that and uh for for some of these so let's let's talk about first of all the two most popular uh ones or the most common ones which is strains and sprains so there's a difference between the two actually the when it comes to a strain we're talking about an injury to a muscle or tendon okay that's what a strain is a sprain with a p would be an injury to a ligament or uh, connective, connective tissue to a bone, so ligaments. Um, both injuries occur in um, they occur in response to unaccustomed stress on the tissue um, or respo- response to repeated low-level stress over a long period of time uh, because of like uh, repetitive motions. Uh, so that's what you're going to be looking at and in, uh, in everything like that. Um, and most often these injuries occur during, uh, eccentric contraction, like resisting a load or, um, tissue that's excessively stretched, which is definitely going to cause some tearing. All right. So let's, um, let's go into strains first. Okay. So strains, like we, we said, you know, strains have to do with muscle or tendon, right? So, we have what's called an MTU, which is a muscle tendon unit, and, and pretty much this thing serves to generate force by uh, contracting the muscle to create movement or to resist a, a load, okay? And so what happens is if an injury happens to this unit, the MTU, it can occur anywhere along this, this unit because it goes along the muscle, and where you get hurt depends on what you were doing. Obviously, and also the applied force and the type of contraction uh, you are doing as well will determine where the injury occurs so <clears throat> pain's gonna definitely accompany this injury uh, but one of the things uh, that that happens is um, sometimes this pain doesn't become very apparent or obvious until one to two days after the actual injury happened um, because of what we call uh, delayed onset muscle soreness, which also is something that this term can also describe just regular soreness after a good workout. And that would be called delayed onset muscle soreness. So that uh, the damage that occurred uh, won't be super apparent till one to two days, right? Like I just said. So it may, de- may be due to uh, the, the damage, the tearing, and also inflammation that actually um, does accompany this injury. And we're going to talk about why... Well, actually, I'll talk about it right now, so I don't forget. Inflammation happens, surprisingly, to protect the joint we're probably going to be uh mentioning this again when we talk about uh sprains you have let's say you uh sprain your ankle definitely we're going to mention that in more detail when you spray sprain your ankle it's going to have a lot of inflammation a lot of swelling and the reason for that um is because your body's trying to protect that joint by cushioning and wrapping up that that joint kind of like a cast in a way but not you know, of course not as perfect as like a man-made cast, but it's trying to protect that joint and actually inhibit contraction of muscles that would move that joint, so it immobilizes it in a way. That's something I want to mention, we'll probably talk about it again when we talk about sprains here in a second, but before we go on, I want to mention contusions. So, we're going to come back to strains, don't worry, but let's mention contusions because this is kind of they go together. So contusion is a, a soft tissue hemorrhage um, that occurs after like so the disruption of a muscle fiber um, with inflammation and edema that accompanies that, of course. So what happens is uh, the most common strain that, that happens is usually the calf or the thigh. You know, sometimes your arms as well. Uh, So um, I'm going to throw that in there. And so contusions, let's go back to that. I know I'm jumping, but this all comes together. Contusions, they they happen because of a hit usually in sports. Someone hits you and that's uh, what a contusion will be when you get hit. Usually football, American football. Uh, So there's actually graded degrees of how severe a contusion is. We also will have graded degrees of severity of a a strain and a sprain as well. So first degree contusion usually presents itself with a superficial tissue damage. Um, But there will be no weakness or muscle spasms. Um, you, You might have a mild loss of function, but that's about it. You won't have any restriction to range of motion. You would have swelling. Um, and everything like that, and that's really the characteristics of a first degree contusion. A second degree contusion is, um, so uh, in addition to superficial damage, you're going to have some deep tissue damage, you're going to have mild to moderate weakness, with no muscle spasms still, moderate loss of function, and of course, swelling. Uh, This this level, you're going to see decreased range of motion. The last degree is the third degree contusion that has severe uh, deep tissue damage. You'll have severe weakness with muscle spasms, severe loss of function, definitely swelling, and a substantial huge loss of range of motion that will occur because of the swelling that will happen that's the that's what contusions are classified as. so that it kind of will be look like or feel like a a strain, but you're definitely going to have, like, an obvious tissue damage, superficial, like a surface damage, because you got hit. And let's get back to strains now. So, strains are also classified in degrees, like I said, from first to third, with third being the worst, third being complete rupture of the tendon. Pretty, pretty nasty stuff here. So, we're going to go through what each degree uh, the symptoms are, how you can find out which which degree you're at, and what treatment you need to do. Of course, the best thing to do is to go to a, a trained healthcare professional uh, so that they can tell you exactly which where you are at and what you should be doing. Um, but I, I still think this is a pretty interesting Uh, to to learn. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Okay, so (laughs) let's get into the first degree. This is when few, a few fibers have been torn in the, in the tendon that's been affected. Okay, you're going to be getting, of course, inflammation, right? You're going to usually, you're going to get uh, pain on contraction, which makes sense. When you move, let's say, uh, you, you've torn Uh, your quad, right? So every time you try to flex that muscle, it's going to have pain. Uh, But you are going to have strong muscle activity, so you shouldn't lose much strength. You can still probably do the same stuff, but it's going to hurt a lot. Also, no loss of range of motion, okay? So how we would determine if you have this is really by your symptoms. You can go get an MRI but it's not required to for diagnosis. You just need a healthcare professional probably to put you through a few movements. Maybe do um, some palpation, which, which is like they touch around the muscles, see what's going on. And then they can determine that from there. Uh, so if you do have a first degree muscle strain, um, the treatment is pretty much what we call price it's an acronym. It stands for protect, uh, restrict the activity, ice it, compression, and elevation. So that's the main thing that we're going to be telling you guys to do, uh, followed by some exercises and uh, some exercises for strength and range of motion, all right, to keep that, the strength there so you don't go under mus- muscle atrophy, which is when you lose muscle mass and, and you're losing muscle Because it's inactive for so long. Now depending on your recovery time. Sometimes you don't lose any strength at all. Or range of motion. I do still suggest that you do uh, some sort of strengthening um, while as tolerated. Again, that would be determined by a healthcare professional in your specific uh, situation. Alright. Moving on to a second degree strain. This is almost half of the fibers are torn. So we're getting pretty pretty bad. So you're going to have severe muscle pain on contraction, uh, definitely a loss of range of motion, uh, and loss of strength, and of course inflammation, uh, edema, things like that you're going to be experiencing. In order to find out if you have that, you're going to most likely you will have to get an MRI. Now you may not need it, but in this severity you definitely probably should you won't be able to straighten your leg all the way out because you lost range of motion you won't be able to um move the same kind of weight with that muscle you lose the strength so it's going to be very apparent that that is a big difference between the first and second you've lost a little bit of functionality Um, you're going to be doing that price acronym i told you before and you probably need some sort of immobilization, like uh, either a brace or thing, or even a cast, if they they see that, that's what you need. And of course, some therapeutic exercises, just like the first one, after you get through most of your recovery time. All right. And then the third degree is complete rupture. All the fibers are torn. All right. So... What's really crazy about the symptoms is that this will be painless uh, because everything just got cut off. Uh, so you're not going to have any sort of pain. It's just not going to be, you're not going to be able to use it. You have joint instability. You have definitely a lot of, um, a lot of uh, inflammation and probably little to no range of motion and, um, and or strength. So you're definitely going to need an MRI. You're going to need probably an x-ray as well and all of that sort of stuff. And you definitely need to go to uh, the hospital for that one. Um, You're going to need the same thing, price, complete immobilization, and sometimes surgical repair you might need. So you might see this like rotator cuff stuff as well. But definitely, definitely the rotator cuff will be a common one. Um, it'll probably be mentioned here in a second. Um, but let's let's go through sprains. Uh, so sprains, um, like we said, there's a problem with the ligaments. So ligaments are fibrous structures that connect bone to bone. And they provide passive soft tissue restraint of bone to bone contact. Um, So ligaments are also graded according to severity, just like strains. Um, And the most common site of a sprain is the ankle. So like I mentioned earlier, the ankle for sure. Uh, The most common way that the ankle gets sprained is by inversion of the foot. So the the foot falls inward. If you ever rolled your ankle, that's another way of saying it you know what I'm talking about. I know I did. Um, so it usually typically occurs like we see it a lot in basketball. Uh, you land on someone else's foot or you land wrong, something like that after you jump and you cause that inversion to happen and you just got your ankle sprained. Um, you definitely should get some, a physical examination, uh, some perform some special tests to, to assess, the severity of, of a sprain, just like the strain, you you we encourage you to go to a healthcare professional when you get injured. So uh, let's talk about the degrees of 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 injury for a sprain. So the first degree, a few uh, fibers are torn. You're going to have pain with stretching, uh, mild instability and decre- decreased range of motion. Um, you're definitely going to need an MRI. Uh, for this, um, although it's not required, but you, um, it's a little more recommended than the the strains. Um, you're going to follow the PRICE acronym and also the therapeutic exercises, and that's really all you, you really need after that. A lot of rest, uh, warm compressions, icing, elevating it, and that might help you. Of course, when we're talking about sprains you know I definitely recommend to go get an MRI to know what you would be dealing with especially because you need to have it healed correctly actually we'll probably talk about that in a second I'm going to leave that to uh, the proper way to heal Uh, but let's continue with the degrees so second degree uh, almost half of the fibers are torn pain with stretching is going to be present in this one uh, you're going to have mild to moderate instability. Uh, the first one just had mild instability. This one will have moderate instability. You'll have moderate swelling and de- decreased range of motion. So uh, the first degree didn't really have uh, swelling, but the second degree for sure. Uh, you're going to have to get an MRI. It's kind of the same recommendation. You should get an MRI, but it's not really required for a diagnosis. However, I still think, you know, in, especially in the second degree, go to the doctor, please. Um, you're going to be doing price, like, again, immobilization to ensure correct healing of torn fibers. Okay, so this is where um, they mention it, and that's where I would mention it, too. Uh, because you definitely should have some sort of bracing, some sort of cast in order to uh, have these fibers heal in, in the right way so that you're not prone to probably another injury um and also that you, you know it's it's uh doesn't feel wrong forever uh you're also going to have the therapeutic exercises like the the first degree third degree this is the big one total rupture of the ligaments that's uh that's a bad one joint uh instability uh just complete you know the instability is is complete it's not moderate or a little bit um you're gonna have severe swelling and severe loss of function if not basically no function because you know there's really the bones are not connecting they're they're pretty much not uh together anymore and you're gonna need you're definitely gonna need an mri you're definitely gonna need an x x ray uh image uh so that they can detect any sort of problems with the, the bones and, and everything like that. So you're you're gonna need um you're gonna need that for sure. And in terms of um like the the treatment, you're gonna be doing price um immobilization of for sure and possibly surgery. So that's what you're gonna be looking at. So, when we're looking at... So, when we're looking at... Let me go back to the imaging and the the treatment, or not the imaging, uh, how we would diagnose this. They're going to take an x-ray or an MRI to detect any sort of possible um, ovulation of bone, or ovulation of bone, which is pretty much like pulling or tearing away of bone with the ligament. So... Definitely, they're going to be looking at that. So what that means is like, when it ruptures, it may take a little bit of bone with it, which that sounds bad. But yeah, that's going to be a third degree ligament sprain. I might have mixed those up, but sprain, uh, not a strain. All right, so um, we have a process of tissue healing for both a for an injury in general for sprain and strain okay so we're going to have you know all types of of these the tissue progressing through healing um, will vary depending on the uh the severity so the rate and length of the whole entire healing process will depend on that Uh, the degree of tissue damage and also recovery time if you had to get surgery as well so the initial phase that basically we call this is the inflammatory phase is about two to three days or longer depending right uh and occurs in response to that damage it is uh it is caused chemically your body will create this by histamine and uh, so what's the reason why it does this is because it increases blood flow and capillary permeability, right, and this will cause an edema, which is an accumulation of fluid uh, surrounding, uh, in surrounding tissues, and what what this does, I I talked about this, but we're going to talk about it again, is this, it acts like a brace or an immobilizer, right, so it's basically your body's making its own cast, which is pretty cool, so the inflammation isn't just like, hey, You got injured, I'm making it obvious. You know, when you see that pain and inflammation is happening at a certain place, any person usually should be like, oh, that's not good. That means I got, something's happening, right? And the thing is, is that that's what your body is trying to do. It's making its own cast, which is pretty cool. So it also, what it does is, it acts as that, right? And and it also, it does this, you know, it protects and it mobilizes you know, the, the injury site by inhibiting uh, contractile tissue activity. And also, it stimulates nerves to cause pain so that you don't move even more, right? If you move and it hurts, you're not going to keep moving, right? Unless you absolutely have to. You're at work. They're making you work. You know, got to pay the bills. But it may, it, that's that's another reason. Pain Pain is there to be like, hey, stop doing that right and also the inflammation so it does that it's trying to uh, not let you contract muscle as as powerful to protect that area as well and the inflammation phase is really important to prepare for the other phases like the tissue repair phase so right now if you're when you're in the inflammatory inflammatory phase uh, this should be accompanied by lots of rest and that PRICE acronym we talked about. Um, if you exercise during this inflammatory phase, it could interfere interfere with uh, and, and prolong tissue repair. So don't exercise when that happens. It should be pretty straightforward, but you'll be surprised. You know, if you, you have a big old inflammation and pain happening, don't go work out. You know, I... I rolled my ankle, I'm going to go run, you know, but still, you know, some people, some people, that's their their lives, their livelihood, they compete, they got to go back out there and, and that's why, of course, they got to, we got to say it because all it takes is one person to want to, you know, jump the gun and now you're going to prolong and maybe even make the the, uh, the tissue worse, so you might, you'll prolong the entire recovery, so be patient. Uh, So we don't recommend exercise in the inflammatory phase. So the next phase we're talking about is the repair phase. It begins three to five days after the injury occurs, but it does vary in length depending on the type of tissue we hurt and the extent of damage. So it could actually last up to two months. Of course, when you do, when you we're talking about these degrees, we're talking about and how you have a complete rupture that that makes probably makes more sense how it could take that long. It could take even longer than that. So during this repair phase, um, we're going to be having damaged tissue that's going to be replaced with scar tissue, and and the reason for that is because that way the scar tissue is going to be much more rigid, much stronger. Your body's going to see there is a tear happening there, so it's going to you know make it uh, make it tough and learn from its mistakes um and and funny enough when you break a bone which i don't think i'm going to mention today but when you break a bone and it's it's you know it's coming back together it actually creates like a callus looks like a a ball basically and so this this uh site that the bone has been broken it's definitely much thicker so the likelihood of that area being broken again is much. It's it's definitely much less. So scar scar tissue is going to act the same. It's going to want to make this uh, this area much more uh, tough, right? And so the quality of the scar tissue relies on proper management of the injury during this phase. Uh, so scar tissue will develop. Exercise should be designed to prevent. Muscle atrophy, like I was talking about, and maintain joint integrity at the site of injury. Um, what it, this does in, in focusing on atrophy and joint integrity, trying to, to make sure that your, your joints are going to be strong basically with the surrounding muscle being developed because of that, because of exercise, you're going to be uh, promoting optimum org- organization of new collagen fibers so that it heals correctly. Uh, so when it, we're talking about exercise, it should include gradual progression of low load stress with uh, no or minimum range of motion. motion. Um, and of course, exercise should be administered through probably a physical therapist or a licensed trainer. Uh, even a physician will be um, administering these rehabilitative uh, exercises in this phase. So it's a pretty interesting phase that happens in, in everything, and even the scar tissue since it's so tough, you may experience stiffness in that area because it's not going to have as much give as the original fibers pretty pretty interesting and you so if if you've heard of somebody feeling you know stiff there after recovery, that might happen of course, if you do rehab, they may be able to work on that so you don't have that problem uh, because you're going to be <clears throat> eventually working on range of motion so the next one is the final phase which is remodeling so it's going to be characterized by uh, repair of a of weakened tissue um, and so you're going to be exercising during this phase and you're going to be promoting hypertrophy which is uh, putting on muscle and uh, also strength training for the newly repaired tissue so they can get accustomed to everything um, the new tissue, I mean. So tissue tissue remodeling can take up to two to four months um, and exercising should be progressive and gradually working up towards your normal activity um, range that you are doing uh, or what intensity you're doing. So early stage progressive loading, of this on the tissue is really important for collagen and fiber alignment and um, also muscle fiber hypertrophy. Um, And then later stages, you should transition to the activity specific exercising exercising and prepare to return to the activity you're doing. So you're going to be going back to playing basketball. Let's say if that was the cause, and that's what you're going to be doing uh, is, you know, doing after the recovery, you know, so we're talking about sports, especially, but you know, if you're going to, if you were lifting, let's say, um, because of the, uh, the strain, you're going to, you know, slowly get back to that, uh, activity, whatever it was. Now you can take medication for sure. You could, of course you can go over the counter or you can go prescription. Of course you should, Make sure that you're taking this medication correctly. If you're going to go over the counter, read the labels, do that. Um, sometimes you may have to uh, go to a qualified healthcare professional like a, an, a medical doctor, a physical therapist, a nurse practitioner, um, stuff like that. You know, if, if you're going to be looking at taking medicine for the pain we're talking about. So you can get NSAIDs which are for the pain. So you're looking at um, ibuprofen, things like Motrin, Advil, uh, Aleve, and things like that. So you're going to be um, helping. That'll help with the uh, inflammation. It'll help with the pain. Uh, I recommend to people that if you can't sleep because the pain just is so uncomfortable that you uh, you could take uh, some, some medicine to help you out. But don't be reliant on the medicine. Uh, the pain does help tell you, what you should or shouldn't be doing. If you don't feel pain at all because you're drugged up and you go out there and go play basketball on a second degree sprain, but you can't feel it, you might just turn that into a third degree just because you can't feel it. And your body is trying to help you out, but you know, you're, you're blocking the, the signals, you know, the, the red flags, you could get prescription medication, Uh, for it instead, you know, you're looking at codeine and Vicodin and the, you know, the hard stuff. Um, You could go that route. Of course, you're going to need prescription for that uh, sort of thing, and you're going to probably need someone to assess the pain and whether you really do need that, because these are very addictive. Some of these are, and you don't want to go down that route, because that will suck. Uh, (laughs) So anyways with, with me saying all of these things, you may, uh, hopefully you're not scared to work out anymore, but you, you still can. Okay. Um, don't be afraid to, to still go out there and, and everything because, um, you know, these all sound very, very, uh, scary, but you know, there's, there's actually a way to reduce the risk of having strain and sprains. In fact, let me just tell you what you can do. Uh, you know, pretty general recommendation. So I recommend to warm up, give a good five minute, maybe even seven minute warm up, uh, prior to uh, a vigorous exercise, you know, so if you're going to do something that's pretty intense and you're a little worried because of me, sorry. Um, you, listen, warm up for five minutes, use something like, uh, you know, a treadmill, uh, elliptical, Let's say you go for a walk, go for a, a jog, uh, do something like that. Something that uses a lot of large muscle groups to do a very good general warm-up of all your muscles, uh, or, or at least the large ones like that. Uh, so I would say do a good warm-up. Uh, then afterwards, do a stretch of the, the tight muscles after the warm-up. Uh, you should hold each stretch for 15 to 30 seconds we did talk about flexibility last time but i'm still gonna give you it all here so uh that's something you can do uh we talked about static stretching some people may say that static stretching may decrease performance in your power and strength events Uh, so if you're competing um then dynamic stretching uh you can still do dynamic stretching prior to like a competition or event. That's for my power lifters out there, my strong men out there. Um, If you're, you're one of those guys or gals um, you can do that instead. If you have heard from your trainers that static stretching isn't good. um, You know, that's, that's correct. It it may not be, but dynamic stretching is something you can do uh, that you can perform before the competition. When you know, when you're warming up, also a good thing to do is balance your, regular sports and physical activities with some resistance exercises to help strengthen the the tendons and the, the ligaments and even the bone. They'll all respond to that resistance to try to build up and get stronger. Um, and also what happens is if you're fatigued, pretty pretty fatigued, but you're increasing the, the volume of training, um, you may actually increase the risk of injury. So make sure you're not, if you're fatigued, but and everything, and you're still going to try to go for more and more and more, but you're still, but you're tired, you may get um, injured. For example, you're doing like bicep curls, right? And you're doing bicep curls, and you get to those last reps, and your form is starting to get pretty sketchy, um, and you're starting to pull with your back. You can kind of see how that would increase your likelihood of injury. Now, imagine you do that, but then you just go up in weight. Like, okay, I curled 40 pounds. Now I'm going to curl 60 pounds. I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, cause now you're co- consistently increasing that risk of injury because you're just, you're continuing to go up. You should probably go down and focus on a good form good alignment instead. Um, <clears throat> for that sort of stuff. All right. I'm going pretty long here, but I'm going to continue guys. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving you guys the the beans here, all right? I'm giving you guys all the information I can. If I go too long, then I'll, I'll stop and we can make a part two, but let's just continue on, okay? Because we're going to be talking about overuse injuries. Remember, I talked about we're going to be talking about uh, tendonitis, okay? So we're going to be talking about that now. So acute injuries are injuries that occur in a single traumatic event, like a sprain or a strain, or joint dislocation or a bone fracture um but overuse injuries are a result of like repetitive little micro traumas that occur over a long period of time uh so we're going to be talking about things like uh tendinopathy and uh even plantar fasciitis that's a big one i was going to talk about lower back pain but that's a whole big monster um, let, let me see if I can kind of give you a little summary of that one. But let's get into the the tendons and stuff like that. So, uh, tendinopathy, it's a pathological change in the tendon, resulting in repeated stress. Um, the most common ones are, like, there's two types of these, uh, is tendinitis and tendinosis. So, tendinitis is infl- an inflammation of the tendons, and tendinosis is, Is with um, what what happens is tendinosis described as like a significant uh, degenerative changes uh, in the tendon, absent of inflammatory responses. Tendinosis is is the most common of the two uh, because most people seek help after inflammation has is gone, but the problem is still there. Uh, So common sites is the rotator cuff. Uh, the wrist, wrist flexors and extensors, and the even the Achilles tendon, so the rotator cuff, that's that's where we mentioned this, I remember. Um, but that's that's what you're going to be seeing is tendinosis because people are like, oh, I'm fine because now the inflammation is gone, so I should be good to go. Well, maybe another and you know, acute, really mild injuries, yes, but when the, the problem is still there, uh then people start to seek help so that's just people um, including myself back in the day in my football times Uh, so so pretty much these uh, problems with the tendons often result from overload injuries it also has to do with the mtu that we talked about when we talked about strains Um, so this overload usually occurs with uh, like an increase in activity or load. Uh, so like, let's say for example, like a runner, um, increases the mileage that they run, uh, or they increase the repetitive motion, right? Uh, for like, um, tennis, right? They increase the time that they're hitting the ball. So they're, they're increasing their repetitive motions. Um, this would be an example of those overloads we're talking about. Uh, You're going to have, it's going to be, what's going to happen is swelling is going to occur for sure. It's often going to be presented, uh, tendinopathies are going to be presented with swelling and of course pain, uh, especially when you're contracting that area um, or actually stretch that area too. Um, So you're going to be assessing Things you know, if you're going to be looking at this as a health professional, you're going to be looking at evaluating strength, um, palpating the muscle uh, or the uh, of the tendon that's involved with this um, with this injury. That's really what you're going to be looking at. So, um, uh, so anyways, we're going to be that's what you're going to be looking at if you're a health professional and uh, assessing people. Um, now, until the pain has subsided people should reduce the activity of that affected muscle to decrease that re- repetitive motion of the tendon all right uh, most people improve a lot with treatment that includes price that acronym stretching also helps and even using those uh, pain medicines w- will help as well um It should, I should say that it takes about six months for the symptoms to subside for something like that. So, uh, you know, um, examples, you know, are that rotator cuff problem. You may have things in your wrist, you type a lot, that'll do it. Um, you may have tennis elbow. That's also inflammation there. Uh, obviously we're talking, we were talking about tennis, so that may, may happen. And it has to do with the severity. So once it starts, You should slow down on that, you know, maybe take a little less time in tennis practice, let's say, um, so that you can recover better, Um, so that might, that'll be something that helps. Some exercises will help too, but usually stretching does too. But once the symptoms have decreased, you can strengthen the affected area. So there's a lot of scientific evidence that supports the, the use of eccentric exercises. As a good way to strengthen the MTU uh, across the affected joint. Alright, so that's uh, something we can look at here. Now, let's see, should I talk about plantar fasciitis now? Let's talk about plantar fasciitis. Okay, I got, ooh, yeah, let's do that then. Plantar fasciitis is really common, or relatively common. It affects, uh, of the population of the United States. Uh, Sorry, my Australia folks. I only have data for the US (laughs) and Canada, sorry. Um, But it's probably around there most likely. But uh, regardless, this is probably pretty common for most people. It occurs uh, with repeated trauma to the plantar fascia. This is a common injury in athletes that are running or a lot of walking. Um, that'll that'll happen. Oh, I'm even not even telling you guys where this is. The uh, the plantar fascia is like the bottom of the foot. It's like the just the bottom, the whole thing. That uh, there's a, a fascia like a sheet of tissue that runs there, and it'll um, it'll irritate the the bones and and everything under there with repeated use. So you're going to be looking at cl- uh, classic symptoms would be um, pain for uh, the first weight-bearing steps in the morning, um, and probably the first few minutes of running, and barefoot walking may exacerbate the pain, make it worse. Usually the pain subsides with, um, activity, um, and also prolonged rest. So at first it's going to hurt, but then after a few, uh, more walking, it'll subside, but the, the problem is still going to be there, um, Things that are going to not help and make people predisposed of plantar fascia is or fasciitis is um, things like flat foot won't help or high arch, the opposite. That's going to give make you predisposed of this injury. So for those that have it, I'm sorry. Um, so you're going to be looking at people are, like a health professional is going to be palpating the plantar fascia. Uh, they're going to be looking at the gastrocnemius, which is, has to do with your calf muscles and see about, um, you know, those as well, you know, palpating those as well. Um, so at the acute stage of, of plantar fasciitis, the best thing to do is to control the pain and minimize exercise or make it a little bit more minimal. Um, of course, pain management will be accomplished with the ice, massage, Um, even a little bit of, um, of heat as well for some, uh, minimize the excess stress on the fascia. So avoid barefoot walking NSAIDs will would help as well. Um, but there's a lack of a lot of evidence, scientific evidence that supports the use of NSAIDs, um, as a way to help. Uh, but for some people it does work for some, it doesn't help the pain at all. So it really depends on the person there. Um, it's really important to introduce stretching at the plantar fascia, uh, as well as plantar f- uh, flexors and toe flexors. So you're pointing upwards uh, and downwards. You're, you're doing stretches like that. Make sure to do those um, for that. You can do strengthening exercises uh, and everything. There's, I mean, it's really hard. Reason why I'm kind of stumbling here is because I. Don't think I can, de- I can describe these really successfully. You'd have to get pictures of how to do these exercises and stretches. So <laughs> I'll let you guys look, Google it. Because, you know, unless I start a YouTube channel, which I might, then I can actually show you guys what sort of exercises you should be doing in order to help with plantar. Uh, fasciitis. Um, So there is actually a little bit of a fitness or exercise prescription for tendinosis and uh, PF or plantar fasciitis. I'm just going to call it PF. It's a mouthful every time I say it. So for resistance training, for for tendinosis, the type of resistance training should be uh, eccentric exercises until you're pain-free, then add concentric and plyometrics as tolerated. So, resisting a load like eccentric, you're resisting a load, maybe yourself or a weight, and then concentric, you're actually moving the load like you're flexing um, as well. The frequency would be three to four sessions per week. Intensity would be six to 15 reps. Um, three to four sets, you uh, use your body weight with progressive loading as tolerated. Um, you know, so like I said, you might be using your body weight. Most likely, that's what you'll be using. Uh, time, uh, how long you should be doing these exercises until you complete three to four sets. Um, so, however long it takes for you to, to do those um, as well, or until the pain level reaches that threshold that you can't tolerate. That's a big one, too. You don't want to get to that threshold where it, it hurts, but you continue, because then you might just be hurting it even more, like we we're mentioning. Flexibility and stretching for tendinosis. Um, you should be doing passive stretching every day, uh, three reps of it. Hold it for every 30 seconds. Um, gradual force to provide a uh, gentle stretch can be applied over time as well. A little special note, concentric exercises should be avoided early in the healing process um, until, uh, until you're pain-free. So... You know, monitor that pain. For plantar fasciitis, PF, right? We don't have any exercises that you should be uh, doing yet. You know, we're going to be talking about flexibility and stretching more. So we're going to be doing gentle stretching of the fascia until it has some tension, a little discomfort, Uh, stretching that great toe, greater toe, and everything like that, and the heel three times a day, 10 reps. Uh, hold for 10 seconds and how long it takes or it just uh, time is to completion of the reps. So that's the frequency is three times a day. Intensity is 10 reps, uh, holding for 10 seconds of the stretch and time is how long it takes for you to complete those. A special note is, um, pain will determine exercise intensity and duration for sure, especially for plantar fasciitis. Okay. Um, all right. I'm about to be going on and on for an hour. So let's just stop here. This is a good, uh, maybe do a little part two, uh, figure out how to really explain maybe some exercises and stretches next. Um, because I wasn't prepared for trying to describe exercises. I'll try a little bit better. We still have lower back pain to talk about and what that's, uh, what, you know, the, Clinical presentation of lower back pain, the assessment, what that looks like, what exercises to do, what stretches to do, um, everything like that. So, we're going to be looking at lower back stuff and chronic conditions. So, that's another part we can do. Chronic conditions, we're talking about arthritis, so rheumatoid arthritis. We're going to be talking about osteoarthritis. What else would I talk about here? exercises for those osteoporosis, um, and everything like that. We're going to be talking about, I'm trying to think, I think that's, yeah. So I'm going to go into lower back stuff, chronic conditions as well. And everything like that. This wasn't really too much of a little, you know, physiology, what happens within the body? Well, there was, there's the MTU ligaments, tendons. What am I talking about? Okay. So anyways, thank you guys for listening. This is a long episode. I hope you guys liked it. If you stayed the whole time, awesome. You get a cookie. Uh, I'm just kidding. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to make a part two for sure next week. I know I was going to do supplement reviews. I didn't forget that. Um, I'm still cooking up some stuff and everything. But this one's going to be next week, the next part to complete these injuries. So yeah, Uh, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.